My name's Tim, I'm an alcoholic. Um, thank you for inviting me to do this, Gabrielle. Um, I'm just going to share my understanding of Tradition 6. It has no authority, uh, has no status. It's just my experience as it appears to me. Um, and my understanding just based on some a little bit of common sense, hopefully. Now, the long form of um, Tradition 6 actually puts the short form into, I think, quite a lot of context. So, buckle up, it's a long, long form. Problems of money, property and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. We think, therefore, that any considerable property of genuine use to AA should be separately incorporated and managed, thus dividing the material from the spiritual. An AA group as such should never go into business. Secondary aids to AA, such as clubs or hospitals, which require much property or administration, ought to be incorporated and so set apart that, if necessary, they can be freely discarded by the groups. Hence, such facilities ought not to use the AA name. Their management should be the sole responsibility of those people who financially support them. For clubs, AA managers are usually preferred, but hospitals, as well as other places of recuperation, ought to be well outside AA and medically supervised. While an AA group may cooperate with anyone, such cooperation ought never go so far as affiliation or endorsement. Uh, actual or implied. An AA group can bind itself to no one. Right, so I'm going to talk about this tradition as it applies generally throughout the fellowship. Um, I've had experience in AA from group level all the way down to subcommittees to the National, to, to, to the General Service Board and um, General Service Conference. Um, now that the, the Tradition itself just talks about groups. It doesn't talk about the service structure. Um, and one's got to remember what context it was written in. So before you had um, the concepts, before you had the conference and the uh, the whole structure of going from the conscience of the individual through to the board, you had Bill and Bob and a few other trusted individuals sitting atop the, uh, it was originally called the Alcoholic Foundation, whatever else it was called by the late 40s. And then you had the groups and the groups were over here and the uh, and Bill and Bob were over there with the uh, office in New York. So the group was the set, was basically the cell of AA. AA was made up of these cells and the groups were the cells. Now we've got this this great big whacking service structure in Great Britain. I've heard you have a service structure or two in Australia. <laughs> if one is good, surely two must be better. Anyway, <laughs> it's an outside issue to me. Um, <laughs> But this principle of Tradition 6 applies uh, at 
intergroup level, region level, area, district, whatever level of AA the principle applies. And I've seen people pull tradition six into the discussion at all levels. So who does it apply to? Well, it applies to any AA entity. Uh, secondly, it's it's curious in a way because essentially it the content is already covered by tradition five. Tradition five says that, well, what are we going to do as an AA group? We're going to help people recover from alcoholism by applying the principles set out in the first 164 pages of the book. Fine. And then tradition six comes along and says, oh, by the way, don't do other stuff. It's like tradition five says stay indoors. And then tradition six says don't go outside. They're kind of they're kind of the same thing. It just goes into more detail. And the question is, um, so I'm just going to mute myself while I blow my nose. Just a minute. Hi. Sorry if you if you'd heard that that there would have been a scene akin to the um, that film Mars Attacks with the Martians inside the the the, the volume would have been deafening. Um, what, so why do we have traditions five and six? Um, in part, it's because of the experience of the Washingtonians. I'm not an AA historian. I don't pretend to be. So I'm just passing on the bare bones of this. The short version is that in the 1850s, I think it was the 1850s, there was an organization called the Washingtonians, which was there for the purposes of sobriety. And it was basically a huge club or series of clubs of people who got together to be sober. Um, now, they were so successful, they thought, well, if we've been successful with the alcohol problem, let's go and do all sorts of other things. And within a few years, it fragmented and collapsed because of infighting. So, there is experience of similar organizations foundering. It doesn't matter how large something is. Uh, to assume it's there for all eternity is folly. If you look at the map of Europe over the last thousand years, you'll discover all of these extraordinary kingdoms and empires which used to exist, which don't anymore. So the Kingdom of Burgundy, the Kingdom of the Two Sicilies, Lithuania, tiny country, used to stretch down as far as the Black Sea. Uh, there are these, uh, Prussia, another good example. So just because it exists and it's huge doesn't mean it's going to stay there. Um, so the survival of AA is not automatic. It is contingent on certain uh, certain conditions being met. Um, I'm going to go with the order of my notes. There are some other points I could bring in now, but I'm going to leave them until later. So when it talks about we don't want to lend the AA name, etc., to these related facilities or outside enterprises. Now the ones it mentions in the uh, tradition itself, uh, clubs and hospitals and and so on, because basically AA uh, respects Tradition 6, 
there isn't a huge amount of experience uh, of people breaching this. So there haven't, to my knowledge, been certainly in Great Britain, any AA hospitals. So what we're looking at with the application of Tradition 6 is the principle of Tradition 6 in, in much more uh, borderline areas. And so whilst these facilities, clubs, hospitals, treatment centres, detoxes, uh, are separately incorporated in, in Great Britain, um, lines can get blurred and that's where Tradition 6 comes in handy. And I've got some, I think, some good examples of how the lines get blurred and don't do us any favours and don't do these outside organisations any favours either. The other thing which happens, um, apart from the whole facilities side of things, there's the enterprises side of things. Now that's a very vague word, but uh, the examples I've come across uh, of where people try to lend the AA name to an outside enterprise. Um, have you ever been to a meeting where someone's put little business cards on all of the chairs saying AA yoga or AA Buddhist meditation um, for a good AA time call all sorts of all sorts of outside enterprises um, uh, uh, AAs for Jesus, I've come across before. Um, social AA social events. Now, here's the here's the simple rule of thumb, kids. Just because you put AA in front of it doesn't make it AA. Like there's a, a politician in this country, rather wonderfully said that just because you put a, a, an environmental politician, he said, just because you put the word green in front of something doesn't make it green. Calling it green aviation doesn't doesn't mean that you're no longer emitting carbon dioxide. It's, <laughs> you've got to do something. To, and it's the same with you. So you can't just put the name AA in front of something. So, well, that sounds very nice. I like that. So we'll go with it. It's got to be AA to be called AA. And if it's if it's not, it's it's not. Um, now, in terms of what we're not allowed to do, um, we've got there, there. There are four terms which are used, and I think they're very helpful. So uh, we've got finance, lending the AA name, endorsement, and affiliation. And some of these are more straightforward than others. With finance, I've seen some. I've had some arguments over the years or, or not had some arguments i've i've witnessed some arguments about what financing means and it's very clear to me that um well today it's clear it might not be clear tomorrow today in at any rate it's clear that uh we can we can exchange money aa can exchange money for goods and services provided by a, a provider so if a church is letting a hall, we can pay them money uh, in order to have the space. But this is an arm's length transaction. It's not paying in at the level of capital or donation in order to fund the organisation in, in, a, in a fundamental sense. We're at the operational end of the financing, not the capital end of the financing. 
And so anything which is based on donations is dodgy. Uh, anything based on contributing to the, the, um, the capital of an organization is not okay. And one of the examples I saw of this was when I was on a national subcommittee for armed services liaison. There's an organization called COBSIO, which is a confederation of British service um, organize, organizations. So lots of charities which help the armed service, members of the armed services and, and, and veterans and so on. And to be part of COBSIO, you know, you, you, there's a little application form, uh, you know, as a charity to become part of it. And AA has a charity in, in UK that the general service board are the trustees of a charity and the charity owns the runs the offices and telephone service and uh, certain some aspects of the telephone service and so on publishes the literature so the question was can AA the charity become part of this confederation and what would it get out of that well it would be part of the confederation it could turn up at events we could network effectively with all of the other service charities we could provide them with information about AA be a super way to carry the message but as um, as a contributing member we're part of the organizational structure of COBSIO we would the, the, the this confederation does not exist but for the member organizations so we're in at the membership level not at the service level and so we weren't allowed to uh, we found and this is almost always the case that if there is a good argument for carrying the message to a bunch of people there's a way of doing it without actually becoming part of it so they very kindly i provided them with a lot of materials they very kindly put them on the website and mailed them out to all of the members so we didn't need to become part of the organization to carry the message within it but we were clearly ring fenced as an outside entity um, so that's on the, the financial side on lending the on lending the AA name, that's pretty straightforward. It's putting AA in the name of something that is not AA. Now I'll come to examples of that. Uh, again, terribly controversial, but um, so hold on to your seats for that bit. Um, so we've done financing, we've done lending the AA name. Endorsement is simply saying that something is good. Um, the <laughs> How can I say this without being rude? Um, I'm going to share an opinion, and it's an opinion, so there it is. I don't speak on behalf of anyone. Right, so there's been the most terrific furore in the past about websites, AA websites in Great Britain, wanting to provide links to Google Maps in order to enable people to find the meeting simply. People say, oh, you can't, it's tradition six. Now, saying that something is a breach of tradition six doesn't mean that it's a breach of tradition six. You haven't proved your point simply by saying it. Um, you've got to demonstrate it. 
Now, I don't point, they'll never point this out to someone. They, they'll punch you in the face. But you do, you've got to argue it. You can't just say it. So you say, well, what part, what, what part of Tradition 6 does it breach? Well, it's endorsement, isn't it? Well, no. You're, you're, at my meeting, if you, if you, if, if we serve custard creams, no one is going to say, well, AA, the organisation of AA recommends custard creams as an excellent biscuit. Um, endorsement is a pretty strong, it's where there's an official statement saying that we think, we as an organisation, we've thought about this, we think it's terribly good. All you're doing is you're pointing someone to a resource. Um, so... Or on an AA website, uh, or, or in the old-fashioned books which tell you um, how to find an AA meeting, there'll, there'll often be a, a list of the bus routes or the train stop. Now, uh, no one would see one of those listings saying you need the number 29 bus, that AA is somehow saying that that is an, a preferable bus route, it's a, very, it's a better bus route than all the other bus routes. And, you know, people get on the bus and say, well, I'm on this bus. AA told me it was good, so it better damn well be good. Endorsement is a very strong statement. And so the simple provision of resources to enable people to do what they need to do is not is not endorsement. Endor what, what would endorsement be? It would be uh, at the end of an AA meeting saying, and if you're new, we have a list of therapists we think are terribly good. And here's a detox and all of these. So that would be endorsement. Um, so one's got to use some common sense with, with this. Uh, affiliation, again, I, it, it's too long a word for some of us, I think. Um, so, uh, uh, again, people bandy the word around, the, the word affiliation around without understanding what it means. And if you look it up, I mean, if in doubt, you know, <laughs> look in the book or look in the dictionary. Um, affiliation uh, seems to have, as far as I can tell, two key aspects. The first one is formal incorporation into a structure. So if you um, if you hold an event and you cooperate with another organization to hold the event, but it's clear that you are being parachuted in to do a particular job. So for instance, um, uh, you know, the, the Army Welfare Service is organizing a uh, uh, a health fair and they say right 10 o'clock AA have come in this separate organization AA have come in they're going to do a talk um, is great they can they can endorse us we can't endorse them uh, th that's cooperation it's fine but no one would say aha AA is now part of the armed services so Affiliation, it's, it's where we appear to be part, we appear to be making ourselves part of a structure or an external organisation and therefore subject to its regulations, its dictates, uh, all of that. So we can't make ourselves, 
the point about affiliation and inclusion in another structure is you're subordinate to that structure or you're a co-director of that structure. The other aspect of affiliation is to do with uh, ideology. So uh, what, what we must do, is, what we mustn't do is, is uh, subscribe to any external ideology. One's, I think one's got to be terribly careful about AA group names. Uh, so if the venue, uh, I mentioned this before, if the venue is St. St. Eustace uh, Catholic Church, you don't call it the St. Eustace Catholic Church meeting of AA, you call it, you know, first things first or something like that. You, you, you don't adopt their name into, into, into your name because it, it, of the potential perception that you're it somehow in cahoots with the local Catholic Church. Uh, and also, uh, perception is as important as fact. It's no good being squeaky clean. It, it's how you come across that matters. So a uh, good example of, of where, although there was nothing technically going wrong, it could have been misleading. Armed services liaison officers have a habit when they print business cards to hand out with their, you know, AA armed services liaison contact details, they'll very often put their old regiment insignia on the card and you have to tell them off and they get very upset. Um, so you, now no one is really being harmed by the presence of all of these logos, but they're not our logos to use. And it make, it, it could create the perception that there's some formal association between AA. There isn't, but it might create that impression. So perception is very important. Um, now, the reason this is important, and I, I, I never remember what I've said to people. I don't, I may have said this in an earlier week, but um, uh, I don't like authority figures. I, I mean, I kind of put up with them, but I find them tiresome. There's a reason I work for myself. There really is. Um, and I imagine some of you have occasionally had run-ins with authority figures in the past. Um, and even if one doesn't have run-ins, some, sometimes people form special relationships with authority figures and want to be teacher's pet or mummy's pet or, or you know, you know the kids that always sit at the front of the bus? So there's a disordered relationship with authority figures in a few alcoholics. Now, where Tradition 6 is most likely to be breached, uh, the, you know, there's unlikely ever to be uh, an AA, someone someone setting up an AA donut shop. That's, it's, it's not likely. What you're much more likely to have is the blurring of lines in any setting where AA is being brought in and introduced to uh, people who are, who've had their freedom removed for medical reasons or for criminal justice reasons. And there, you know, someone is placed by the system or, or at their own behest within an institution, whether it's a detox center, a treatment center, um, 
if you pay two or three times as much for your treatment centre as the next person, you get to call it a clinic. And the great advantage is the the uh, if you're at a treatment centre, you have to turn up at everything. Whereas if it's a clinic, you can sit in your room watching the television. And that, I think that's probably what you're paying more for anyway. I'm being facetious. So you, you must you must take no notice of me whatsoever. Um, now, the problem with these uh, settings is they're full of authority figures. They're full of people telling someone what to do. And also, um, this is probably a bit contentious, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, I used to play games with helping professionals. Uh, games like Catch Me If You Can, um, Help Me You Bastard. Um, you know, so I'd ask for help, you'd give me the help then I would accuse you of bullying me and then they would say you don't have to ask me for help you can go somewhere else and then I'd accuse you of abandoning me so you can't win um what are the other games high chair you see that's where I take the food throw it on the floor because I'm in the high chair I can't reach it you have to pick it up and I get the thrill of you being in charge of picking up the mess that I've created there are half a dozen more it's privileged informations uh, all, all the games and I've seen sometimes you see people in facilities whether it's prisons or detoxes or treatment centers or clinics you see the game being played in front of you with the staff. And it's really important if we're gonna be effective in AA to operate in a completely different way. If we're seen by the punters as part of the institution where, um, that is hosting us, we're seen as part of the problem they've spent their lives battling with. And where this gets blurred, I've seen two particularly pernicious forms of blurring. The first one was in prison meetings where one, uh, this was a friend of mine reporting this, where the prison guards were insisting on being in the room. And there was that now they weren't really supervising content, but the perception was that the content was being supervised, that people couldn't speak freely. Uh, that makes it look as though we're in cahoots with the prison. And the other thing is where AA volunteers are brought in to run step groups at some kind of outside facility. And, you know, this is this is the AA step session, but it's not an autonomous AA person coming in, doing their own thing. Uh, in this case, the girl in question was um, being directed pretty strongly by the organisation what content her so-called AA step presentation should have and how she was supposed to take people through. And she said it bore no relation to her own experience of the steps in question. Uh, but it was being presented as an AA activity. And so you're giving a very distorted impression of AA in that latter case. So when we're going in to cooperate with these organisations, there has to be 
a very clear boundary. It must be absolutely clear to everyone that within that little AA bubble, we're entirely autonomous, we're parachuted in, we have, we're parachuted back out again. And then it works, then it's clean, then people can trust us, they don't see us as part of that organisation. The organisation has no influence over what we do, we can do our job unencumbered. And that sort of cooperation, I've mentioned prisons and detoxes, there are all sorts of events where AA might have a stand, for instance, at a health fair or a so-called freshers fair for people. I don't know if you have the term freshers fair in Australia, people joining university. Um, Armed Services Day is another one of those uh, where that happens. Um, there's a question which I'll come to in, in a minute. Uh, I'll pause. I do pause at some point. Um, um, now, why? Okay, so why? I should have done this earlier, but here it is. So why does this even why does this even matter? Money, property, and prestige. Now, in the short form, it says prestige. In the long form, it says authority. Why do they use different words? No one knows. Uh, Bill had a habit of using multiple words to mean the same thing. So we've got page seventy-five twists of character, page 76, uh, defects of character, page 76, shortcomings, uh, page 71 to 2, grosser handicaps, all are the same, they're the same thing. So I think by prestige and authority, maybe he meant something similar, who knows. But in any case, I think it's self-evident that these are topics on which people readily fall out. Uh, some examples within AA. Have you ever tried splitting the bill at a large table of alcoholics after a meeting where no one admits to having had the poppadoms? Uh, everyone magically forgets that they ordered drinks and or a starter. Or people's maths go wrong in only one direction that's in the direction of paying less not more um if it was just error it would come out even on average but it doesn't it always always comes out short you've got people who are perfectly happy to receive service from the staff but are unwilling to pay for it unless it comes up up to you know unless it's exceptional well if it's exceptional service then i'll give them a service charge and, you know, mummy and daddy at the end of the table, you, you, in order to keep the peace, have to put their hand into their long pockets, pull out a couple of extra 20 quid notes to make up the difference. A friend of mine and I used to do this regularly after a meeting, a table of 20 people. It was always 40 quid short every week. And you look at their innocent little faces and also everyone's so sad that we're somehow short and everyone's just baffled. Oh, how could this possibly happen? Um, you know, and, and mummy and daddy save the day because uh, unfortunately, AA's reputation, if we're the AA table, people know we're the, we're the AA table. First of all, we're not drinking. Secondly, we're weird looking. We're very clearly people that would not mix. You know, there's no, sometimes the staff, you can tell what they're thinking. And the, sometimes they actually ask, they say, who are you? So, you know, you, you don't want AA to be this, this, oh, they're the people that come in, order no drinks, um, short us on the bill and never leave a tip. You just, you, 
And so mummy and daddy have to sort it out. And that's just, you know, on when it comes to 10, 15, 20 quid ahead. Um, have you ever had a meeting where the treasurer runs off with the money? Um, <laughs> that's a whole question. Um, have you ever had these, you know, banners or AA tablecloths or whatever used in public information events and you have to have a discussion about who owns them and where they get stored? That the, they cost 50 quid and the acrimony that arises out of this. And also, have you ever had those situations where someone feels that they've been groomed to be GSR for the group and then it comes to the election? And someone else who's been at the group for eight and a half minutes puts themselves forward and then wins the election. It's just, you know, grab your popcorn. That one's fun. Uh, and that's what to be the GSR of an AA meeting uh, and the art. Uh, OK, so money, property and prestige. Um, okay, so Bill, Bill C talks about there is no such thing as alcoholic thinking. There is emotional immaturity. Uh, people are always talking about the alcoholic bedevilments. Oh, you mean being neurotic, immature, disorganized, incompetent? Is that, oh, that's what you mean. It's, it's, it's emotional immaturity. Um, just because you're an alcoholic and you display it does not make it alcoholism. Alcoholism is a very specific thing. Um, and AA is, uh, what do they say about relationships in AA? Um, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> and, uh, uh, 20 years ago, or maybe less, 16 years ago, now, I'm going to say Thessalonica. It wasn't Thessalonica, but I'm going to say Thessalonica just for the sake of example. I was on holiday in Thessalonica and there was a furore at the time because there were two AA websites in the city in question. There was ThessalonicaAA.com and there was AAThessalonica.com. And each of the groups adhered either to aathessalonica.com or thessalonicaaa.com. And no one, one was official, but awful. And the other one was set up because the official one was awful. So someone thought, OFFS, let's just do something we can use. And then it obviously undermined the structure and, and every, so, and you, people would not go to the groups which were in the other camp and a rather bitter American that's a particular that has a particular flavor uh, a, a, a bitter American said to me if you can stay sober in AA you can stay sober anywhere so we've kind of got some problems I don't know if you've noticed this but we've got some we've got people with <laughs> serious issues I'm one of them um, so we want to keep things as simple as possible to, to limit our activities to only what is strictly necessary 
I think God does not want us to be trusted as an organization with anything greater. Maybe as individuals, we go out and do great things, that's separate. But as an organization, like once we've learned how to play nicely with each other, maybe God will enable the tradition to be changed. But there's no sign of that happening anytime soon. So let's just concentrate on not pushing each other down the stairs after group conscience meetings once we've got that down maybe we'll expand and like be a little bit more ambitious so unity is fragile as it is so let's not rock the boat i think that to me is the essential message of traditions five and six so when is it outside aa when is it inside aa inside aa is anything to do with the group or the, or the uh, service structure. So the fellowship as made up by groups or the service structure, which is accountable to the groups, the charity, which is accountable to the service structure, the organs of the charity, which are accountable to the charity. So you've got the, the groups, the service structure and the charity and all of its various corporations and bodies and subcommittees and, and whatever that's AA. Anything else is not AA. So this is the notion from earlier. This is the controversial bit. Um, just putting the name AA in something does not make it AA. What makes it AA is it is accountable to the fellowship as a whole by being slotted in uh, to one of the jacks like in electrical equipment and one of the jacks in the AA service structure. In other words, there are points at which entities can be accountable to the service structure. So in the UK, groups can't really do anything. They can have their own subcommittees, that's all. And so there's a jack. You could, the subcommittee can be plugged into the group. Um, intergroup has the ability so does region you will have area and district uh the conference that's a point at which something can be jacked in uh the general service board uh charity the offices there are there are various points at which um custodial oversight can be exercised in two ways one financially two operationally and the best example of this is a convention if you want to hold a convention in great britain i don't know about the australian service structure if you want to hold a convention in great britain it must be sponsored by an entity at an appropriate level in the service structure because conventions are big they've got to be overseen by an entity which is big enough to have the financial and operational clout to step in and fix it if it goes wrong. This is why groups can't hold conventions. It, they can hold little events with scope commensurate with the size of the group. But you can't, sometimes people have tried to hold conventions. It's, it's happened, oh, I can't say where, because this is recorded. Okay, so it happens where a, a couple of groups get together and try to put on a big event. And it's, it's dangerous because if something goes wrong, who's going to pay for it? And this is not a theoretical argument. In a country, we'll call it uh, Ruritania, uh, that the young person's 
uh, there was a young persons convention which was not jacked into the service structure. It was um, the money was seeded by an external charity registered in one of the European countries. And it was that charity to which it was accountable. It all went uh, tits up financially. Uh, one poor girl was landed with a bill of 10,000 Ruritanian krona. And it got into the it got into the local newspapers. The name of AA was dragged through the mud. And eventually the service structure in that country, after all the damage had been done, had to step in and sort it out. Uh, now, what does custodial oversight mean in practice? It means that any of these great undertakings to which we want to lend the AA name because they have as their primary purpose the teaching and practice of the 12 steps as described in Bill W's essay of February 1958 published in the grapevine and republished in language of the heart. I can't remember what the subject of that sentence was so I'm going to restart the sentence. If you're, if you're going to have the AA name lent to one of these you need to have custodial oversight. What does that mean? That means that these ventures must be planned very, very carefully and well in advance. There must be a, a committee, someone must be appointed by, let's say the intergroup. The intergroup appoints someone to be the chair of the committee. That person then has a system for other people applying for posts on that committee and a system for assessing who should go on the committee. They have to report back to the intergroup on a regular basis, including uh, with a financial report and an operational report. And the job of the intergroup is to exercise custodial oversight, which really means to understand the finances, to understand what is going on operationally and to exercise uh, the vision required uh, by concept nine, one of, which is one of the leadership skills, to say, is this on track or not? And if it's not, and there are material risks, then there are four measures available to the intergroup to remedy the situation. The first one is censure, so they can tell them off. The second one is redirection, which is don't do this, do that. The third one is reorganisation. So that means Jemima is no longer the treasurer, Susan's going to be the treasurer. That's reorganisation or replacement. That means, uh, thank you for your service. We'll take it. Uh, we've got it from here. And that can happen on occasion where the whole committee is replaced because there's a vote of no confidence. And this is done because the stakes are high. In terms of AA's reputation, AA's impact, uh, the threat to unity as a whole. So anything, if you're going to give it the AA name, you have it properly jacked into the structure. Now, the reason this is controversial is because, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go into hiding after saying this. Um, in some parts of the world, that the, the most commonly occurring breach of this principle is with young persons AA. Now. There are arguments for and pro, uh, for for and against having young persons AA groups and conventions. I'm leaving those entirely aside. But uh, and and 
I mean, I, I don't think there's any ill will. There's obviously not any ill will there. And, you know, they help an awful lot of people. People report very well after them, largely. Um, and the they always say, when you read the blurb, the terms of reference, they always say, you know, we abide by the traditions of AA and we abide by the concepts of AA. It's no good. It, it, again, you can't just say it. It's got to be true. Then you can say it, but it's got to be true. If you are not accountable to the fellowship as a whole, if not at international level, at national level, if you're not accountable to AA as a whole in the country in question, you're not accountable. There's accountable, you can only be accountable to a body which is adequately representative of the fellowship and which has the, which is granted the authority to exercise custodial oversight and which has the financial clout and the operational clout to actually, for that custodial oversight to have teeth. Um, when you look at the structure of some of these, now this is, this is a, there are, there are AA conventions young persons conventions which are hooked into the structure so this is wonderful i totally support that it's it's great so lots of countries have started doing that now but what would happen uh is uh the it would be accountable to itself it would be accountable to its own members not to the fellowship as a whole. So if the fellowship as a whole had a problem with it, there is nothing the fellowship as a whole can do. And I have to say, there are a couple of things which happen at some young person's conventions, which the fellowship as a whole has a problem with. And there's absolutely nothing that the fellowship as a whole can do about them. I mentioned one of those is the um, ritualized uh, adulteration of the readings. Um, including what is thought to be a very offensive response to the phrase special workers in whichever the tradition is that mentions special workers. There are things that cause great consternation in the fellowship as a whole, but the people at the conventions have don't have a problem with it. But it's got the AA name, so you've got a problem there. Um, so that's the point about young persons conventions, uh, and, and also the, the Two situations I've seen where a convention has caused public controversy. Uh, one was to do the finance one I mentioned earlier, and the second one was the was an issue with a venue uh, where they they trashed the venue basically, and the venue said we're not holding any more AA events. Both were events which were outside the service structure, but were taking the AA name. Um, now the answer to this is really simple. The answer number one, hook it into the structure, suck it up, be accountable, be grown ups and be and allow yourself to be supervised by other grown ups. There you go. Option number two, take the AA name out of it. So um, Bob D did. A, it was a stroke of genius with the state line convention in now in Las Vegas. It was in Prim Valley. It isn't the AA state line. Well, as far as I know, when I was going, it was not the AA state line convention. It was the state line convention. Why? He didn't want it. He wanted to run it himself with a bunch of trusted individuals and do what he wanted to do. Good on him. 
it's not got the AA name. It's largely AA in content. Uh, and these days, you don't need to give it the AA name to publicize it because you don't need the service structure to publicize it. There are so many good ways and easy ways of publicizing things. So the, so the easiest thing to do, either have it entirely part of the fellowship, use the AA name, use the service structure to publicize it, or keep it completely outside, drop the AA name, and off you go. Uh, but one's got to be terribly careful not to use the name AA in any of the materials. And that's that's the caveat. That's the caveat there. Um, Brum, brum, brum. I've covered all of those. I'm going to look at this this question. Um, request for comment with long context. By its own traditions, Alcoholics Anonymous cannot finance or lend its name to any outside organisation. So club oh. <laughs> clubhouses for recovering alcoholics sprang up in the 1930s, soon after AA's founding. Initially called 24-hour clubs and operated apart from AA by recovering alcoholics. These institutions met the need among recovering people and their families for companionship and sober recreation and soon, to, soon came to be called AA's second miracle. Alano clubs are the most common amongst the thousands of recovery clubs around the world that provide safe haven to travellers who are recovered alcoholics and addicts as well as a social hub for the local recovery community. That's from the US website. These are well established, but here in Australia, bitter divisions have arisen in Melbourne originally over financial involvement of members. Comment, question mark. I've heard of Melbourne. I've never been there. <laughs> um, so I don't know what's going on all the way down there or up there, depending on which way up the planet is. Some maps have it the other way up now. So all the way up in Melbourne. Um, my experience of clubhouses, this is just my personal experience. I used to go, well, I, maybe it will happen again, but I go to America a lot. I used to go to America a lot. And when you're looking for a meeting, as soon as you discern that the meeting listed is, is at a, an AA clubhouse, you go, oh, OK, so no. OK, fine. Because you turn up, there are, there's a room which is fit for 200 people. There are seven people in it, none of whom have talked to each other since 1985. And there's the six o'clock meeting and there is no structure and it's just weird. And then, you know, one in 10 times, it's amazing. But generally, the club... And this is the thing, we'll talk about this in Tradition 7. The reason Tradition 7 is so genius is because if the meeting is bad, people won't put money in the pot and it will die. Let it, if it's failing, let it die. Um, you know, we no point in keeping groups alive on, on life support systems if they're if they're failing, if they're not achieving their purpose. Let some the energy should go into something that's working anyway. So, you know, I I'm I'm very dubious, honestly, about them. Um uh there's there's I've seen one work very well in London. There's one in London. Uh it I suppose it's a clubhouse, it's a venue which is um, uh, host to, in normal times, 50 groups a week from various 12-step fellowships. And it's great. It, it really is great. 
so people can go there and just stay all day and go from fellowship to fellowship and meeting to meeting and some of the some of the groups are very strong at that one it's it's different it, it's different than those clubhouses where they they'll have like an aa meeting seven times a day seven days a week these are groups like each one is a separate group Multi-meeting groups can be very, very problematical, especially when they're embedded, embedded in clubhouses. With the financial involvement, one thing one has to be, I have to be very careful about this in how I talk about things and think about things in AA. Just because an AA member does something, it's not, doesn't make it an AA thing that they're doing. And so if someone is doing something which, is, which has the AA name, it is my business as one of the custodians of AA, as we all are. This is the point about ultimate authority residing in the fellowship as a whole. It is the fellowship's business if it has the AA name. If it doesn't have the AA name, it is not the fellowship's business. So I think there needs to be more context on that. Uh, financial involvement of members, if they're acting in their capacity as AA members, bearing the AA name on behalf of so-and-so group, well, that's an AA question. If they happen to be AA members, but they have a financial involvement, that's an outside, that's an outside issue. If you hear a lot of step fives, you hear a lot of things that AA members get up to without using the AA name. And thank God the AA name isn't dragged into all of those. Um, I'm going to mention a little bit about tradition six in person, in personal application. So my primary purpose so five and six, they sort of go together. My primary purpose is to stay close to God and perform God's work well. Um, and performing God's work well is to carry the message within the group, through sponsorship, in the service structure, and then outside the fellowship to practice the principles uh, in all my affairs. What are those affairs? I've got work, I've got home, and I've got community and society. Now, what tradition six is is the corollary of that which means there's a whole load of stuff which is none of my business and when i did my when i when i do step four um when i do step four i discover in the third column that the reason i'm so upset is because i have outside enterprises and facilities <laughs> I have stuff and I have activities. Uh, now, those outside activities, my job, my home, blah, blah, blah. Um, if I feel ownership of those, because those things are vulnerable, because everything in the material world is vulnerable, I'm going to be frightened. And so my relationship to those outside things is they need to be, as it were, not owned by me, but separately incorporated. Um, I hate doing anything to do with looking after the home in terms of um, decorating and fitting out and replacing installations. I, I, I loathe that. The whole thing just um, drives me crazy. Um, the only way I can deal with it is to say, this flat that I live in, I'm illegally, I'm the owner. But spiritually, I'm not. God is the owner. I'm just the manager. 
and I treat my job like that, that my business is not my business, it's God's business. I get paid by my higher power to go in and do the work that needs to be done and then come back out again. I have no personal investment. So my name does not get lent to anything I do when I carry the message to a sponsee. That's not my sponsee. It's God's sponsee. I'm brought in to carry a message and then back back the F out, off out of the situation. Um, someone says to me sometimes, how many people do you sponsor? Now that's a loaded question, isn't it? You know, why do you want to know? Well, what are you going to do with that information? Is it, <laughs> is there a, is there a sweepstake somewhere? I, what, why? Anyway, the answer is, well, right now I'm not sponsoring anyone. You're not sponsoring anyone. No, because there's no one. I'm not talking to a sponsee. When I'm talking to a sponsee, I'm sponsoring someone. When I'm not talking to them, I'm not sponsoring them. Clear? <laughs> so how many people are you sponsoring? Well, whoever I'm talking to right now in the capacity of sponsor, that's how many people I'm sponsoring. So to to disown everything. Um, that outside attachment, it comes in two forms. There's all of those good things, those legitimate activities, facilities, enterprises, endeavours, which God entrusts me to engage in. But then there's all of the lower enterprises, uh, those enterprises dangled in front of me like a carrot by the ego. And here's the list. Sex, money, power, prestige, comfort, thrills and appearance. And they'll keep you busy. So you put together traditions five and six. And what you get is those things, sex, money, power, prestige, comfort, thrills and appearance are the uh, either the necessary evils uh, of light of a material life. So if you're good at stuff, you'll probably get money, power and prestige eventually to some degree. It's a necessary evil. Um, uh, and you're going to have you know appearance in all of its forms is and you, you've got to you have a physical presentation in the world comfort and thrills and sex have their place but they're the that wonderful line straight pepper diet on page whatever it is 68 69 um what is supposed to be the condiment was certainly by me made to be the main substance of my life comfort thrills sex um so traditions five and six together mean that I do have facilities and enterprises in my life, activities, I own stuff, I manage my finances, my investments, my pension, all of that. But I'm not the owner, I'm the manager. So I'm brought in to do a job with everything else. I've got to keep my eye off it. So step three, tradition five is monastic in its singular focus on staying close to God and performing his work well. And when it says, here's the interesting thing, it says he provided what we needed. That's not for me. That's in order that I can do God's will. So on page 87, if you're unsure about that, 87 makes this really clear. We, we ask God for whatever we need to take care of such problems. Those are the needs that what I need is what I need in order to do God's will. 
Um, I don't need to be alive. I need to be. What, what do I need to be alive for? I. It's not my need. Maybe God needs me to be alive, which is why I'm here. But I need. People say, well, you know, don't I need to, you know, sustenance and food and shelter and blah blah blah. Yeah, but why? Well, so I can live longer. Yeah, but why? Why do you need to live longer? What you need to, what you, existence, your physical perpetuation on the planet is a need. You need to be perpetuated on the planet. Why? There's no answer. What for, just so I can say I got to the age of night, well, you know, wonderful. There are rocks in Yosemite which have outstripped that by hundreds of thousands of years. They're doing better than you. You're never going to. And you, th you think 90 years is going to be an achievement? I don't have needs. God has needs, which is why I'm here. Which is why all of us are here. That's just a view. Um, <clears throat> a couple more points. I'm going slightly over. I hope that's okay. Um, um, -um, -um. Right. So if I'm going to be secure, I need to have my identity in God. I need to have my purpose in God. That's it. So I'm not hooked into these outside things. And just a practical example of how that works. <clears throat> Let's say God owns a shop. Uh, God's kind of busy with some stuff, so needs someone to run the shop, to be the manager of the shop. So I'm brought in. What's the shop? It's my life. I'm brought in as the manager of my life. But I'm not the owner. Which means that I have to defer to the owner for all decisions. Uh, secondly, it means that I am 100% responsible. People talk about, um, uh, you, you know, nowhere in AA literature does it say that our lives become manageable and everything is in God's hands. No, everything is not in God's hands because there are things he's put in my hands. If everything were in God's hands, uh, I would sit in a chair and my teeth would brush themselves. Brushing my teeth is in my hands. Um, Pookie in Austin said, you've got to take action to activate your faith. God ain't going to slide no hot dog under your door. Um, so just because I take step three doesn't mean I sit there like a potato, like a Zen potato. I've got to be con talks about our constantly active services and the traditions, I think, or the concepts one of the two. So I'm 100 percent responsible for the conduct of my life, but I'm accountable to the higher power for the exercise of that responsibility. I'm 100 percent accountable to the higher power. So I have delegated authority. This is the notion that runs all the way through the concepts, the notion of delegated responsibility and authority. Um, so I don't need to get out of the driving seat. I need to be in the driving seat, but be using the satellite navigation system that God puts there and to use the petrol that God puts in the engine. The, the, the driving seat I need to get out of is yours. The problem was not that I was in a driving seat. I was in the wrong driving seat. I was in your driving seat. So I need to get out of your driving seat, get back into my driving seat and then put on the God satellite navigation system, 
uh, fill the tank with with God's fuel, and then off I go, 100% responsible. Now, where this comes into tradition six, if you're running a shop, the shop requires full attention the whole time. Which means I can't be running my own little eBay business from the shop at the same time and hope to manage the business in the shop as successfully as someone that's 100% focused. Which means anything which does not serve the purposes of me implementing step three in my life has to go. So it's monastic. There we go. Um, not all good news, except it is because um, that the smart money is is on that being the route to happiness. Um, uh, the only real happiness is the happiness of serving God. Um, uh, and I'll finish on this. There's a CS. Uh, actually, no, a couple more questions. I'll look at those. Uh, C.S. Lewis story about if a father gives his daughter sixpence and uh, he is happiest if she takes the sixpence, goes to the shop, buys him something with the sixpence from the shop, brings it back to him and gives the present back to him. Now, he's pleased with that, but not because he's sixpence up on the deal, because there's something else going on. So that's the, the, the trick with life is no one tells you you're given the sixpence you think you think you're supposed to spend the sixpence you, you're supposed to work out yourself what to do with the sixpence and the trick is you're supposed to give the sixpence back to whoever gave it to you in the first place and that's what turning my will and life over to god is it's taking the sixpence that i got from god giving it back to god um what was the history of the long and short forms no idea what came first and is there a reason why it was necessary? No clue. I am not. <laughs> I'm afraid. There we go. There, there's honesty for you. Um, another issue is the presence of financial predators. Ooh, especially at conventions. One was invited to speak at Sydney Convention 2003. Um, he spoke four times 90 minutes in a very entertaining Barnum and, <laughs> Barnum and Bailey manner. He later went to Perth Young Persons Convention. He lures new members into donating to a foundation which he is the president of. There are similar people named on a website called Cult in AA or something like that. How do we AA deal with such people? Well, I'm... Um, be careful of what you read on websites, first of all. Um, I always want to hear both sides of everything. Um, when I go into an AA meeting, don't tell anyone this. When I go into an AA meeting, my Al-Anon shields get activated on decks 1 through 12. My phaser banks are my phasers are set to stun, not to kill. And some people believe that just because it's in AA, everybody's nice and everybody's well intentioned. Why would they be? Now, my experience is that people do actually behave quite well in AA, surprisingly well, given the base material, base in both senses. I include myself in that. Um, but one can't legislate against folly. Um, so what 
AA members do in their private interactions is not AA's business. Just because two people met at an AA meeting or event does not mean that AA has jurisdiction over their relationship. Even in the capacity of sponsor and sponsee, sponsorship is a private arrangement between two individuals and is not subject to the oversight of the group. This is why, this is controversial, this is why I don't think groups should arrange sponsorship, even temporary sponsorship, because it makes it seem that the relationship is under the custodial oversight of the group. And then you've got a right of grievance against the group if something goes wrong. You know, if the sponsor fiddles with you one way or another, or, or uh, the group, if the group arranged it, the group's responsible. So you, ooh, you've got to be very careful of any of that. Uh, what helps in groups is to have you, the hand hands up if you're available for sponsorship. If you're interested, ask one of these people afterwards. The group is not endorsing these people; it's simply inviting them to make themselves available, and that, that that's on that's on the right side of the line. So um, yeah, there are people who are predatory in all sorts of ways in AA. I think the best thing we can do, providing that one oneself has got a you know a few brain cells to rub together and, and not fall foul of such predators is to be is to have a quiet word in the shell like of newcomers and say sweetie be careful don't give anyone your money don't get into bed with anyone until you've completed your step nine be careful of you know if you've never seen them before, don't get into their car. Like really, oh, people need to be told this stuff. They've been busy for the last 20 or 30 years. They didn't get a number of the memos. So, you know, you watch, you, you quietly watch out for the newcomers. You see who's operating. This is why you have to have a home group. You see who is operating and how, and you quietly take measures behind the scenes without humiliating anyone so um that's all that's all i've got i'm going to go and have a nap now i think that's probably uh, all we've got time for so i'm going to stop uh thanks